You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Jason Kemp. Well, hey, we've been in the middle of a series called Restored, where we are looking at the stories of Hosea, Joel, and Amos in the Old Testament, the little minor prophet books there kind of toward the middle of the Bible. And today we are finishing up our third week on Hosea, 14 chapters of really interesting stuff, isn't it? I mean, if we think about some of the amazingly weird things that God called Hosea to do, that Hosea, hey, here's, a, uh, here's who I want to be your, your bride. Oh, by the way, she's a prostitute. And she's going to be sold into slavery. Oh, and here's some kids that I want you to love. And, well, you're going to name one of them not my own. And you're going to name one after a tragedy. Like, you know, here's my kid, COVID. Um, you know, what, what is going on in the book of Hosea? And we get a peek into what God is revealing in his own character through the life of Israel and through the life of Hosea. That God wants us to see a picture of who he is and how he loves and how he is also just. A couple of weeks ago, Randy talked about that, uh, some of those, those weird things that God asked Hosea to do, to marry Gomer, and even though he, she was going to be unfaithful, to love her well. And to talk about the kids. And then last week, Zach talked about that messy middle of Hosea that just was not, it just wasn't pretty, was it? It's a, couple, a few really tough chapters there in Hosea. So today, we're going to look at chapters 11 through 14 that kind of bring the resolution. It connects all the dots, ties everything together, all this great feel good, right? No, this is Hosea. <laughs> and so this first passage that we are going to look at is a really tough picture of God's character. That if you look at these last four chapters of Hosea, it's not chronological. Hosea kind of jumps around. Um, nothing really ties in a nice clean timeline. So we're gonna jump around a little bit and we're not gonna get a chance to go really deep this morning because there's so much there. Um, the goal of this morning is just to kind of connect the dots. To take these pictures of God's character, of who God is in the life of Israel, in the life of Hosea, and in our lives as well, kind of connect those dots and get a good picture of God. So we're going to start in chapter 13, um, which is this really hard picture of God. And I'll just warn you, this passage is tough. So here we go, Verse, verses 5 through 8 of chapter 13. God is saying that I, I took care of you, the Israelites, I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and you forgot me. So now I will attack you like a lion, like a leopard that lurks along the road, like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear out your heart. I will devour you like a hungry lioness and mangle you like a wild animal. That's God. That is a picture of God's justice, that God is a holy God who has a moral standard that is very unlike our own. 
We try and believe that we've got God's morality figured out, but God is just at a different level. And he is a holy God and sin cannot stand in his presence. And so this is a picture of God's wrath, a picture of his anger that like a, like a hungry lioness, I will chase you down, I will mangle you, I will tear out your heart. Oh my, this is a picture of God. And that my sin turns his wrath toward me just like this passage in Hosea. That Hosea is a picture of a just God, a righteous God, a holy God. And he has every right because of our sin to deal harshly with us. It's just, it's just the nature of God's character. And it's hard to look at. It's hard to accept. But as we've been talking over these last couple of sermon series, that there is a, a tension between both grace and truth, is what we called it during the Imago Day series a few weeks ago, that in the midst of truth, in the midst of that moral standard, there is grace. And somehow those link together in a tension in our lives. And here in Hosea, we see the same tension. In Hosea, they call it justice and love. That God, the picture of God here is that he is absolutely just. His anger and his wrath are righteous, and he has every right to unleash those. But yet, he is love. And so in chapter 11, verses 7 through 9, we see this tension. Because Israel had pretty much gone off the rails. Israel has this pattern in the Old Testament that results in exile. They're exiled to Egypt. Remember Pharaoh and Moses and the ten plagues, let my people go, and they come back to Israel, they're restored, and then later on, here we're talking about their exile to Assyria, about 150 years later, and they're exiled to Babylon, remember Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Israel has this pattern that in their comfort, in their prosperity, they fall off the rails. And they began to think, I don't really need God. I, well, I mean, I need God, but, you know, this God over here, he does a little something for those people that my God, you know, that Yahweh is not doing. So I think I'm going to go worship this God too. And Israel falls off the rails. They lean into those times of prosperity and comfort to the point that they turn into idolatry. They turn to sin. And here in Hosea 11, verses 7 through 9, we see this tension that God's justice and God's love collide. For my people are determined to desert me. They call me the Most High, but they don't truly honor me. Oh, how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me. And my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you. And I will not come to destroy. God is just. 
And here in Hosea, we see that God has the right to unleash his anger, his wrath against sin. But God is not only a God who is willing to pronounce justice, pronounce judgment, but he is also willing to send his own son to be that punishment for us. In Romans, it says that but God, even though we were sinners, sent his own son to die for us on a cross. Even in the midst of our sin, even though we deserved the wrath that we read about a moment ago, God says, I'm not going to unleash my fierce anger. I'm not going to completely destroy Israel because my heart is torn within me. My compassion overflows. And so we see that God's characteristic of love, mercy, grace, forgiveness is preeminent over his characteristic of wrath and justice. It doesn't diminish justice. God satisfies his own justice for us. Maybe this morning you're sitting there going, I, I just don't know about this Jesus thing. I don't know about Christianity or, or maybe you've been sitting around for a lot of years in the church going, I just, maybe I'm a little more like Israel, growing comfort and just kind of going through the motions. Our sin is like a debt, a billion dollars. A debt that we cannot pay. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to pay that debt for each one of you. Here is your get out of debt free card. Would you come and get it? Come and take it. Take the card and you're free. I will have paid the debt for you. But if you don't take the get out of debt free card, you still owe the debt. Jesus has offered his life to satisfy his own wrath and anger for the sin in our lives. So his love satisfies his own wrath. And we see a couple pictures of that here in Hosea that we've talked about these last couple of weeks. That Hosea is called to love and marry and be faithful to and even buy back from slavery his bride. That even as a prostitute, Gomer fell to worthlessness. She wasn't even good for that. And so she sold into slavery and God says, buy her back. Love her well. My love is bigger than any unlovable nature that we can bring to the table. Hosea 14 verses four through seven says this, that the Lord says, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever, and I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars of Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like the beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade and they will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. 
even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, because we see in the New Testament that the church is called the bride of Christ. And even though we as the church, as God's children, as his people are faithless, and we walk away and we, we turn our backs, God says, I will be like the dew from heaven in your life and you will flourish. You'll blossom like the grapevines. Even in the midst of our faithlessness, God restores us. And in Ephesians 5, we see the picture fulfilled that Paul says that the church, the bride of Christ will be made spotless. That even though our sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. And so in the midst of, we see a picture of God as just, but yet God is love. He is like a loving husband to an unfaithful wife. We also see that God calls Hosea to love and accept and nurture and protect children that are not his own. That we have a picture of God as an adoptive father who gives everything to his kids. In Hosea 11 verses one through four, God is talking to Israel as a child. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And I called my sons out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the farther he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand, but he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love, and I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. What a beautiful picture that even a kiddo who doesn't want to have anything to do with his dad. Hosea is a picture of adoption. In Ephesians 1, we see this come full circle where Paul talks about all of us were adopted into God's family, sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. So in the midst of a picture of God is just, and as hard as that is to see and accept, we see a picture of God as love, like a loving husband and a loving father. Two weeks ago, Randy talked about the big idea that morning was, we're going to fail. Here in Hosea, we see Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're going to fail, but God will be faithful to restore. And then last week, Zach talked about just the mess that we get in. I mean, here Israel has gone off the rails. They've gone so far as that they are worshiping idols who are requiring child sacrifices. Israel is in a, a peak of prosperity and they're sacrificing their own children to idols to guarantee a prosperous future, a peaceful future. Israel had strayed so far and Zach talked about how our restoration, being restored to God, begins with our repentance, a repentant heart. And so today, to take it that next step, 
To be Jesus in every corner of our culture, we have to be restored every day. Every day. See, there's some parallels here in Hosea about the exile. It references the exodus, the plagues. It references um, how the Assyrians are going to come in and they are going to dash the heads of their children against the rocks. God is saying, just as you are doing to your own children, there's going to be an army come in and show you what it's like. You need to understand, Israel, that you have failed. And you are being restored by exile. So is exile punishment or is it mercy? Yes. It's both. That God in his mercy pulled Israel out of the comfort, the prosperity, their own security, and put them in the wilderness so that they would repent, so that they would experience revival and be restored to God. So God uses exile in a positive way to bring Israel back. They reaped the punishment of their sin, but they also found God. God is calling us out of our comfort, out of our prosperity. He's calling us into the wilderness just like Israel. We don't have invading armies. We, you know, the Assyrians aren't coming or the Egyptians or whatever. But God is calling us every day. Get out of your comfort zone like we talked about with the, the discipleship pathway. We have to get out of our comfort zone to be able to grow. Because in our comfort, why do we need God? God is calling you into the wilderness to be restored every day. What is he calling us from? I know there's a sense of busyness and productivity in our culture that we really lean on and we like and we feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm doing good in life. I've got a lot done this week. Have you seen what I've achieved this year? Even in the midst of a pandemic, look at my accounts, look at my kingdom. Is God calling us from our comfort, our security, our prosperity, our safety? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are we really as bad as Israel? <laughs> Have we really gone that far that, that God is calling us to that? We want to be like Jesus, right? Our mission is to be like Jesus, to love, live, love, and go just like Jesus, right? Jesus practiced this every day. In Luke chapter 5, we see a picture where it talks about the reports of Jesus' power is spreading throughout the countryside. Crowds are coming to hear him preach. One time he got on a boat, went across the lake to get away, yet the crowds raced around the lake and beat him there. People were clamoring for him. They just wanted to touch the edge of his garment because the, the power would flow for him, from him and diseases and miracles, diseases would be healed and miracles would happen. And yet, in Luke 5, it says, after all these things, Jesus leaned into that power. 
No. It says, but Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness for prayer. Jesus knew that in the midst of that temptation, because Jesus lived in a uh, a let's go Brandon type of world, didn't he? He did. They weren't rallying for Biden. They were rallying for Jesus to overthrow the Roman government. They thought Jesus was the salvation, the Messiah that was gonna set everything right, right there in that moment. And you better believe Jesus was tempted says he was tempted just like us and we are tempted to grab onto power and authority and Jesus probably sat there and thought, you know, I could. We could just shortcut and take care of everything right here, right now. But instead, Jesus saw that authority, that power, that, that savior mentality as something that this isn't right. And so he withdrew. He got into the wilderness so that he could be with God. And while Jesus never followed through on that, cons- uh, that, uh, that temptation and sin, he knew he needed to connect with his Father. Just as we need to connect with God, with Jesus, each and every day. To get into the wilderness, to get away from our comfort, our temptations, and be restored every day. That first passage that we read was God is a lion, a leopard lurking, a mama bear who you threaten her cubs and God's gonna, God's gonna let you have it. But also in Hosea, there's another picture of God as a lion. Kind of like in uh, Chronicles of Narnia, right? The first movie that came out. At the end, numerous Characters, creatures had been turned to stone. Aslan roars, Aslan representing God, and the stone melts away, and they rush to follow Aslan. That picture is here in Hosea chapter 11, verses 8 through 11, where it says, How can I give you up? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy you. For I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you and I will not come to destroy. For someday the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return trembling like a flock of birds. They will come trembling like doves. They will return and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. The lion of Judah, the holy one of Israel, God is roaring, calling you today, each and every day. If you're sitting here this morning and your mind is swirling, your gut's churning, your heart's pounding, that is the roar of the lion of God calling for you to be restored. Jesus knew it was important for him to reconnect with God, to get away from that temptation. May we have the strength to run into the wilderness. May we have the courage 
to find God to be restored. In the next story by C.S. Lewis and Prince Caspian, Aslan has been gone for a while. And Lucy sees him again in the forest. And they embrace and just laughing and joy and oh, I'm so glad. And Lucy says, I knew it. I knew it was you. The whole time I knew it. But no one would believe me. Aslan looks at Lucy and he says, then why would that stop you from coming to me? And after a long pause, Lucy says, I'm sorry. I was too scared to come alone. Don't be too scared to be restored to your Savior. Yes, he is a roaring lion that is full of wrath, but he is also the Lamb of God who gave his life to satisfy that wrath. He loves you with an everlasting love and wants you to be restored. So do not fear. Do not fear. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.